Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Oh, yes. What is up, my friends? One last time for 2022, we appreciate you for joining us here on the final post-fight show of the year here on MMA Fighting. UFC Vegas 66 just ended. My name is Sean Oshadi, and you know the crew. We've got the man, the Prince of Positivity, the King in the North, Alexander Kaylee. A great card tonight, the- guys. You're we so got positive. The legal eagle himself. You're so uh, positive. And that course, was a fight card. Sure was. They fought him. <laughs> the they got out there and fought him. All the ones and twos. Look at you all dressed up for the vacation, Casey. I love it. You rare you get the collar. Oh my guy. Uh, I think this is the first time I've ever seen Casey in a collar. Sorry, I was, muted. I, was, I was saying something really exciting, but I'm muted, so whatever. It's an, it's an occasion. It's the end of the year. Celebration 2022, fellas, is officially in the books for the UFC calendar. Go out uh, we, didn't, we didn't exactly end that one with uh, lighting the world on fire, but in the end, it is Jared Cannonier who gets it done over Sean Strickland. That is a unanimous decision. Really strange scorecards. It is I mean, not a unanimous had, decision. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the split decision. Yes. Uh, I'm still waking up. Strange scorecards. I mean, 49-46 is two of them for Jared. A 49-46 for Sean as well. No judge agreed on, like all three judges didn't agree on any round at all, which I don't know that I have ever seen that. I'm sure I've seen it at some point, but that is a very rare sight. Uh, And also this one, I mean, Judge Sal D'Amato and Derek Cleary, two of the most veteran judges in the sport, have completely opposite scorecards completely opposite scorecard they saw every single wrong uh, round differently uh but in the end i think we get the right result right jared cannonier came in here with a game plan he chopped down those legs he landed power punches when he could and now he heads into 2023 poised to return to title contention uh alexander kaylee mm. you just watched the final fight of 2022 for the ufc that i'll ever watch of the year 
Robbery what are your review? takeaways Robbery from what review? you just saw? If you think I'm watching that fight again, you got another thing coming, buddy. <laughs> you got another thing coming. Uh, my head hurts looking at this scorecard. Uh, it's like an optical illusion. It's like I'm trying to line up. I'm like, you just said none, none of the judges, uh, like there's no, sorry, there's no round that all three judges agreed on. And I'm like, that can't be right. And I'm like looking at it and my eyes are crossing and rolling. And I'm pretty sure you're right, but it just seems like, it seems unlikely. But also, uh, if there was any fight for this to happen to, I think most of us, as we were watching this fight, I could be wrong. I don't want to speak for everyone, but we're kind of like round one. It was like, that kind of could have gone either way. I'll, I'll edge it towards one guy. Then the next round, like, okay, I think it's even now, but I could also see it up to what, two oh for whoever. Same thing after three rounds. It was like, oh, 29, 28 for someone and, and so on and so forth until the fifth round where you're just kind of like, you're pretty sure one guy won. I don't think any of us here have a major issue with the Cannoneer decision, but it didn't feel like super definitive in any way. And when we saw, once we saw them do the split screen and then um, Bruce, uh, was it Bruce Buffer tonight? Joe Martinez. Joe Martinez. Joe Martinez. His voice cracked like twice. It was the first time I've ever <laughs> heard that man mixed up in anything. I was, I was not paying attention in ring occasions, but it's an Apex card. I should have known it was the uh, the wonderful Joe Martinez. Um, once you started reading the separate names, you're like, yeah, this feels okay. This feels okay that it's a split. When you heard it was 49, 46s uh, in different directions, that was a little strange. I, I, I don't want to know when we've seen that. Um, but again, I can't have a major issue with it. There's just some of the rounds, so many of the rounds felt like coin tosses. I'd have to watch it again, which I'm not going to, um, to like <laughs> really point out like, oh, that was definitely a Strickland round or that was definitely a Cannoneer round. So as screwy as it looks, it's kind of the scorecards we deserve for the way that that fight played out. Is that it? <laughs> that was it? You ended right. that in a very weird way. And I, I don't know if that, uh, that whole, everything I just said there, uh, I don't know if I used a single period. I think I ended every sentence in a question mark. Yeah. It's fitting. It's very fitting. Um, uh-huh. Jed, uh-huh. it's been a weird year, Jed. I think you could say super, that, right? Yeah. Super weird year, man. You've had some really crazy last-second comebacks. Uh, Leon Edwards, Alex Pereira pulling off two of the bigger comeback upsets we've ever seen. You had the whole weirdness with Nate Diaz and Hamzat Shemaev at the last second. That whole event getting flipped upside down. Charles Oliveira losing his belt on the scale. Like, you could just go on and on and on about just all the weird – lots of main events entered with injuries. Like, it's just been a really weird year. And it feels somewhat fitting that we get a scorecard for the final fight of the year where, again, like AK said, like you, I don't know a situation where you could remember two completely diametrically opposite scorecards. And yet you can't really fault either guy because it was all kind of by I felt like by the fourth round, the entire community sort of just threw our hands in the air and be like, you know what? It's not ours to judge. Let the judges deal with this one because we are we're, we kind of zoned out a tiny bit so i mean what were your takeaways from what you just saw oh uh we we made history guys i'm willing to say this is the first time in a five round fight that nobody could be mad about scorecards there is no way to be upset this could have been 50 45 either way totally fine i cannot be upset if either man got a 50 45 just it was, it was, it was a fight. They fought, they, they did some stuff to each other. Neither man was better. They're the same. This is like the bad version of Gamrot Sarukian, right? Like neither guy really showed that he was better than the other. However it went, it went 
and we're good. Like, I have no problem with the dueling 49-46s. Couldn't care less think I, they're both right. Neither of them are wrong, and that never happens. Uh, unless Doug Crosby somehow scored this fight, he probably could have found a way to find a wrong answer, but we all did okay. Now we're done with the year for the UFC, and onward and upward, I guess. Like, there's nothing to take away from this. <laughs> it's just like, Have you guys, my, my honest to God, biggest <laughs> takeaway from this fight is just like, well... Good for Jared Cannonier ever making his way to a title fight. <laughs> it's like if you're going, I don't even want to say going hammer and tongs because that's not really the, the adjective to describe this phrase. Like this fight, it's like if you can't definitively beat Jared Cannonier, you probably sh- shouldn't be fighting for a belt. And the fact that you did means you came out on the positive side of of things. So good work for you, but. God, let's keep him away from Alex Pereira for his health and safety. Because holy crap, the new champ would just separate him from consciousness in the most violent fashion possible. Did you guys uh, take a look at the official scorecards? I have them right here. No, that's right. Another scorecard. I'm sorry. Uh, striking uh, the stats. The stats. Excuse me. No, oh, I did. I also have them okay. right here. Super insanely close. Uh, total strikes. Not that that's how you score a fight, but 152 to 14. Significant strikes. 152, 141, Sean Strickland. And then you go round by round. It's, I don't think any round was uh, had a greater differential of six strikes. It's ridiculously close. That was round four, 33, 27 for Strickland. Round one, 16, 13, Cannoneer. Round two, 28, 25, Strickland. Uh, round three, 35, 33, Strickland. And round five, 43, 40, Strickland. So just ridiculously close. Um, Strickland, big advantage in, in head strikes, but uh, uh, he didn't do anything with leg strikes or, and uh, can near huge advantage in leg and body strikes. So I don't know. Uh, I got a poll going, guys. I got a poll up pretty quick after that main event. As I imagine, uh, I was going to go down a bad route there. But uh, who do you think won the UFC Vegas 66 main event? Right now, 50%. The fans, fit the fans 100%. But between the two fighters, Sean Strickland, 53% so far. I wonder how much is that, fine. that is just Sean Strickland being a little more popular probably than Jared Cannonier because I feel and like just anger, is... just anger about the main event yeah. being directed at the winner. I think a lot. Uh, actually, you honestly, know what, fellas? Pro- I, actually, some well, breaking news here just coming in. Breaking uh, news. Just hearing hear from the, our – Do we have the sound drop? There we go. Oh, there we go. Just heard from our good friend Doug Crosby text message here we have his official score for this fight 50 45 patty pimblet man did it again okay let's keep it rolling all right that was a uh, honestly joke. not a ba- not a bad scorecard either <laughs> i'm okay with that one as well that was an awful joke uh jed uh, we just watched two uh you know a one-time title fought. contender versus uh, a guy who has been in contention in this division for a while now they fought ultimately jared cannon it does get the decision moves into 2023 now with this division in a very, you know, interesting place, frankly, like I more interesting than middleweight has been for a bit simply because of the change at the top. Where do you feel like this one puts him? Like what's the state of the middleweight division now as we head into 2023? He is going to fight uh, the winner of Marvin Vittori versus Roman Delize. And he is probably not going to win that fight. Whoever comes out of that fight ahead. And Jared Cannonier is just going to be a dude. It's going to be a dude around, and that's fine. Uh, That's the fate of most – not even most fighters. Being a dude is great for most fighters. He is going to be one of the many, many men who have challenged for a belt, been found wanting, and then just 
hung around for a while. And I don't know how long he can. He's relatively long in the tooth, but you know, he didn't look, that did not look like he lost a step or whatever. It just kind of looked like a Jared Cannonier fight. So he's not, I don't think he's challenging for the title again. I'm a little surprised he challenged in the first place. And if we're being honest, probably mostly challenged for it because Israel wanted to fight him and made that happen, spoke it into existence. And I don't, Alex Pereira should try and make it happen. Buddy, you want to stack up a highlight reel that will make you look like a way, a way more true and dominant champion? Fight Jared Cannonier. It's going to go miles in the win column for you. But he's going to be a guy. He's going to fight other dudes, fight Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker again and do all that. That'll be okay. Let's end on this one here for this fight. I mean, AK, we saw Jared afterwards, post-fight, he called for sort of called for the Whitaker cost a winner. And this is a weird fight, right? Because who knows if we'll even get that fight by the time it all plays out, considering everything going on with Paulo Costa and his UFC contract and this ongoing drama with him. Do you like that call out? Does that make sense to you? I mean, who do you want to see next for, for Jared Cannon here? Uh, Paulo Costa, great. Not in a huge rush to see him fight Robert Whitaker again. I don't, I don't recall there being much controversy around their first fight. I remember it was in my mind, pretty solid, convincing win for Robert Whitaker. Um, but I think what Jed has mentioned, and I think as, as you're proposing, I do think Kenier has to wait um, for the winner of one of these upcoming matchups. There's also um, Gaslam fighting Imovov, and if Imovov wins, maybe win or lose Imovov, he ends up fighting Kenanier, probably win. Probably if Imovov wins, I don't think Gaslam, if he wins or loses, it, it matters. I don't think, again, they'll run that one back with him and um, Kenanier. There's really no need for it. So the good news for Kenanier is there are still people that he hasn't fought um, in the t- in the rankings. Like, he moved up pretty quickly. Like he, not quickly. I mean, he had to fight through three different divisions. But once he got to middleweight, he went on a nice run. He got that Derek Brunson fight. That's a, that was a great win. Um, made him worthy of a title shot. I don't think anyone would argue about that. Uh, and like I said, there's still some fresh names. He hasn't fought Marvin Vittori. He hasn't fought Roman Delice. He hasn't fought Nasruddin Imavov. So, like Jed said, he's kind of just going to be a guy. Uh, fans may have to look forward to more Jared Cannonier main events at the UFC Apex. Like he just, that's kind of the level of notoriety and success he's at. Like you could, he's very easy to sell like uh, his record. He looks impressive. Jared Cannonier in amazing shape. Looks like a guy who, you know, you could, you could show a casual fan who maybe hasn't been following UFC. You kind of look at Jared Cannonier and like imagine him and Vittori, like look at both these guys. Like this could be a sick fight. And then they get in the cage and it becomes what it is. So, um, it sounds like it's kind of we're both being we're kind of being optimistic and pessimistic for Jared here. Like pessimistic as in like I don't know how many more like exciting relevant fights he has, but optimistic as in he still has a lot of ranked opponents to go. And like I said, amazingly, I don't think you've seen your last Jared Cannonier main event. No, I agree with you. This feels like we're going to see this man in at least two or three UFC Apex, or maybe not Apex, because we're going away from him, but at least fight night main event yeah, moving forward. What, what's this face you're making, Jed? This is very I'm saying bare minimum, at least two. I mean, we're talking five, probably. <laughs> Squeeze whatever juice is left out of that. Uh, well, fellas, let's you move got, on. We got 40 some odd cards a year. You got to find people to headline them. There are only so many heavyweights you can put in five round fights. And they will put all of them. Trust me, the UFC will put all the heavies they can. But then you need middleweights. <laughs> it's just how it goes. 
That's just how it goes. Let's move on, though, because ultimately I thought that today was a very fun card. Like I enjoyed the card for the most part up until that main event. Uh, and I want to talk about the people's main event, which was this co-main between Armand Sarukian and Demiris Magulov. We were talking about this on the preview show. I think all of us were gushing in anticipation of this fight. We all really enjoyed this fight. And ultimately, it may not have been fireworks. It may not have been some crazy fight of the year type of type performance but it, i thought it was very competitive very intriguing to watch uh hard fought controlling victory here for armand sarukian who by the way ends an eight-year 19 fight win streak by the man demir is like to me this win by armand sarukian i know maybe some people are down on it i feel like this one's going to age really really well because i think there are not a lot of people in this 155 pound division that are going to get past demir over the next couple years uh ak we'll start with you were you impressed by what you saw from Armand Sarouk? Uh, I certainly was. By what I saw with my educated MMA fan eyes, uh, I was very impressed. I, I know how good Demir Uzmagolov is. I know how difficult uh, it was for Sarukian to get the better of him in the grappling, to neutralize him, to impose as well as he did, um, and to get away with, again, a, a, convincing, a convincing decision. Not like a thrilling, unanimous decision win, but a convincing decision. However, I'll get ahead. I'll, I'll, I, I know Jed has something to say about this fight, specifically uh, young Mr. Sarukian. So I'll get ahead of it a little bit and I'll say, uh, if this was your first time, if you're again, I, I'm just always bringing in the casual perspective here. If this was your first time uh, seeing Sarukian fight, you probably didn't understand what the big deal was. Um, there's, there's a little bit when Armand Sarukian fights, if you just go to social media, and you can see every like everyone in the MMA media, all of us, you know, educated viewers, we're all kind of like, ah, man, look at that Sarukian. He's so good. God, people don't know how good this guy is. He's a future champion dog. It's like, and again, from from more casual standpoint, it's a little bit of a tough sell, um, depending which of his fights you saw. So uh, I, I'm only kind of scraping some of the criticism I have with this performance. Again, I thought it was great. I wish, I, I hope he gets a top eight guy next. We all know that's not happening the way that that top eight is under lock and key at 155 pounds. Um, but I will say it was a good performance by Sarukian. Didn't really live up to the people's main event status that I think uh, some of us had bestowed upon it. We can get to a fight that did later. Um, but uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, if you're talking stock stock watch for Sarukian, maybe kind of neutral, kind of neutral after this fight. It's it's. I feel like this fight is a victim of the the situation that's going on in the lightweight division that we've been talking about all year, and in particular the last like six months or so, where the top of the division, the old guys, the ingrained guys who have been in here there for a long time, and I'll include Michael Chandler in that as well because he's sort of in that age range. They just fight each other, right? And so there is this round robin that is going on over the around the top five. Everyone else below that is just sort of stuck. Uh, fighting, you know, each other, not really been able to make much forward advancement. Even Benil Daryush is kind of stuck in that spot, and I would say he's among that elite as well. And that, to me, is a symptom that was showed tonight where to, when I'm watching this fight between Isma Gulov and Armand, this felt to me like a fight between, I don't know, the number three and number four guy in this division or, or wherever you want to throw him. Like, this felt like a, a top five level fight that we were watching. And yet you look at the numbers next to their name. I don't know where they are on the UFC rankings. I think maybe nine and 12 or something like that. Somewhere similar on our rankings on MMA fighting, which, by the way, are the only rankings that matter. Uh, but just in general, like, it, it did not feel to be a fight between lower level people. It felt if I can, a higher level fight than it, than it really was marketed as. I mean, Jed, 
Did you get that sense? And also, I guess, what are your takeaways away from this? Because it felt like you came away from this maybe a little colder on Armand than I would expect. I am, I think. Um, and it's not just this fight. It's this fight paired with the Gamrot fight. And I know your initial reaction was, well, those are two of the top at worst, like realistically the top eight lightweights in the world. That's fair. That's a fair point. My issues are less that are, are more, though, about the performance and less the outcome in the competition. But the way he is going about fighting gives me real concerns. Um, I... I I was talking to Casey before we got on this. Like, I think my outcome is that I I am just feeling a little my coolness on Sarukin is I was really high on him and maybe I'm coming back to a more appropriate level. I still think he will beat all the people that I previously thought he beat, except for one. I'm actually going to move him down one spot in my upcoming rankings because I'm gonna have one guy move up as a result of this. And I think I feel a little bit better about Ismagulov in this fight um because of the things he showed me and i was a little cooler on him for a lot of the also the reasons this fight worked out At the end of the day my thoughts really boiled down to man uh sarukian needs to find a plan b like he needs one because what he has got right now is not the answer like he wants to get his grappling game going he's very good at it very good wrestler incredible gas tank and that's awesome and against uh you know mid-level guys he's gonna get to plan a and he's gonna work plan a and it's gonna be great and he has shown the grit and tenacity to even sort of make plan b or plan a work on fighters who aren't allowing it to ismagulov mostly did not allow him to get to his spots early cardio took over somebody is not going to let him get shit at all and <laughs> and then he is going to have to either shoot recklessly at hips from a mile away and and pray that he can get it in the worst kind of like the worst shots of Demi and Maya's career which isn't a the, that's not a sustainable path to being a champion or he is going to have to learn to commit to striking in a substantive and serious way and I we're not, I haven't seen it in two fights he has shown that he has some ability at it he is so single minded on the thing he wants to do that it it takes like it detracts from his game. Ismagulov ate some shots on the feet, but he at, at some point he had he recognized I just got to go, uh, and I'm not really under threat here because as soon as I throw the left hook, it's going to shoot on me. And Suruki was able to pull it off. Like he kept doing that, and that's cool. Plan A will fail. I mean, it failed against Islam, and like that's that's it. And he he has to have something else to go to. And I have real concerns about being so single-minded and not being as dominant at it. As, like, if you're going to be one way, if you're going to be Habib, buddy, you better be the best guy that has ever been in the world at it. And people talked about Islam like he was some lay-and-pray artist. And I am not saying that Armand is a lay-and-pray artist. He got to the back, was making moves. But Islam's career has largely in the UFC been, I get you down, I'm in the position, you ain't scrambling out of shit, and you're, it's a time. Like, it is a clock. You are done, son. And that has not been what Sarukian has proven. Like, against guys who are not up to snuff, he can become a finisher and do that. A lot of positional control, and I, that's, that's not the thing you want. I had the same issues with Makayev. I've been super high on Muhammad Makayev. He's been doing similar things, and it makes me go, if he doesn't get he if he does not get meaner, and maybe it is simply that, 
you got to be meaner. You got to act like you want to hurt that dude in real, real ways out there because every champion that has ever been is a nasty bastard when it gets down to it. And I, maybe I'm just not seeing that from him, but I scored the first round uh, for Ismagulov. I have no issues you giving it to Sarukian. But in a three-round fight, if you are doing nothing but aggro grappling with no damage behind it, you're opening up opportunities, man. Like the the reason the Gamrot fight happens is because this is your style that you are super committed to. And I have some concerns now, which I previously didn't. That is so I think that's a very fair criticism hearing you out that way. I mean, I you ultimately come away from this maybe down on Armin or at least lower than I was were. very I high is the yeah, other I think part that's of a it symptom. Too. I was going to say that I think that's a symptom of how I mean we me and you have just talked about this a yeah. lot amongst each other how high, ridiculously high you were on Armin coming into this fight. I had him as the number 5 dude in the world only because and that's really four cuz him and Gamrot were are functionally tied in my rankings. They are interchangeable to me. That being said, I do want to throw a little bit of context in here and I think this would be the reason why I may not come away from this fight you know, glowing about Armin, but ultimately my, I, I come away from this fight with my stock higher on him than it was going in, which is two reasons. Why, right? One, I think a lot of people are just going to look like that against Demiris Magulov. Like, it's, that's just a really difficult person to look good against, and Armin looked pretty damn good for most of that fight. And that, to me, is incredibly impressive given his age and experience level. And that's really the second point, which is like, this is still a kid who's only 26 years old. And this is someone who's still finding himself in this division, but has faced obscene level of opposition uh, over the course of his very young UFC career. Like a lot of p guys at 155 coming into this division and maybe we consider them top prospects and they are not facing Islam, Gamrot, Ismagulov in like their first few fights. Like this this level of competition this dude has been faced so far, he has been thrown to the wolves quickly and, and maybe deservedly so because we all feel he's so good. Yeah, He's done very well with what yeah. he's been given so far. If and that to me is the most important piece of this because this is someone who is just, again, he could have crashed and burned three times or four times over at this point in his early UFC career. And I don't think anybody would really fault him, but he continues to be able to pull these out. If, uh, if, if, if Patty Pimblett, uh, and I'm someone who thinks Patty Pimblett is better than people give him credit for, had fought the same uh, run of opponents that Armand Sarukian has, I think he wins one of these fights. I think, okay. I think he... I think he beats maybe Christos Yagos, uh, but I don't. I think like I would pick like Joel Alvarez, Matt Favola, Davi Hamos, uh, Olivier Oben Mercier. I'd pick all these guys probably to beat, uh, probably to beat Patty in a fight. So just for comparison, say like, wow, that is a, like that run that Sarukianis had to face is just ridiculous. And he's twenty. He just recently turned twenty six. I'm a so yeah. here's the thing. I'm a thousand percent on board with you in that regard. The other aspect of what I'll say with this. I think that if, if if they made that fight tomorrow, I think Sarukian wins a dominant 30-26 fight. But I struggle to see him finishing Patty because Patty can grapple oh, his ass off. That's, that's he's going to what he's Sarukian's not going to do anything. Like he he is going he's to just go far, so much far, better. Like the levels and levels. Absolutely, he, he's absolutely better than him. But Patty can grapple, and Sarukian is not an unstoppable force on the ground he is a tremendous chain wrestler that is not position position like position submission control grappler we saw and look full credit to demir he looked awesome but his escape plan was functionally here's my back i'm going to stand up and i'm still going to get out of this and that's 
and, and Sarukian still struggled to get hooks in. And again, this I am knocking him by definition. I still think he's one of the seven best lightweights in the world. He is going to fight for a title. He's super young. I would pick him. I saw somebody post, I'd pick him to beat Dustin Poirier tomorrow. But well, so actually, quickly. coming into this weekend, here's where I want to pose this question to y'all. Because coming into this weekend, I would have comfortably picked Sarukian to beat Rafael Faziv. Absolutely not anymore. I think Fazeev beats him now. That is the one big change for me. Because Fazeev is unbelievably good at not allowing you to initiate your wrestling exchanges and creating separation early. Where Demir failed is he he was not physically strong enough to keep Armand from holding on after he broke the first level. Fazeev is going to, and at range, I think he's going to chew Sarukian up unless Sarukian makes like real strides there. And that that's what I need to see from him now to be like, this guy is going to hold the belt and has a realistic shot at beating Islam. Cause right now I, I truly don't think he has a chance to beat Islam in a rematch. I mean, to me, that's a tough question because Fiziev's in the exact same place as, as Sarukian. At I this mean, point, yeah, right? they're all just, just they're all in jail. They're all just spinning their wheels <laughs> in jail, as you said, basically just kind of stuck. Real quick, before we move on, I want to do a thought exercise. Just play this out real quick because this is the conversation we're having, right? Here's the top five of the UFC lightweight rankings: Michael Chandler, Benil Dariush, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, Charles Oliveira. That was five to one. Of those five, if they booked it tomorrow. How many are you favoring Armon against? Uh, of not so not including Makachev, or are you including not Makachev? including Makachev? Just the top five contenders right now, as we see them. Uh, I am favoring him against three. It would not shock me if he lost all of them. I feel pretty good about both Benny Dariush and Chucky Olives beating him at this at this juncture. Those are the only two that I would feel. It, it wouldn't shock me if he beat them, but I feel very good about it. Uh, I think Poirier is the easiest match for him of that, and I'd feel he's the one I'm the most confident in. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't favor him by a lot against any of them. It'd be very narrow for all of them, and I do believe both Darius and Oliver give him real, real problems. Darius and Chucky Olives for me were the two where I would have the most hesitation, but the other three, honestly, I would favor Armand, and I would favor him pretty cleanly. What about you, AK? The striking does worry me. Some of the things that Jed has said about you, you got to have a certain level of striking to complement that wrestling as great as that wrestling is as great as that grappling is. You need to have a certain amount of striking and also a certain amount of ability to deal damage. Which we, which, which again, we've seen Sukiyan do it. You know that we've got a little recency bias here. The last two fights, again, pretty competitive. He didn't really, you know, was never really close to finishing either Ismagulov or Gamrot. Um, but you know, against that lower tier, if you like a notch below him or guys who are a couple of notches below him, he took care of business. So we know he can finish, he can do damage. But I understand once you get, you know, now that we're talking top five, it might be a bit tougher. So I'd actually only be leaning towards. Uh, I like his chances against Chandler. I actually do worry against Poirier and Gaethje. Uh, yes, he could, he's can out wrestle them for sure, but that the fact that they have A plus, they, they're two guys who I consider to have A plus striking. Um, I don't know if if just his wrestling is enough to get by those guys because at some point he's going to get hit in one of those fights or or get be on the wrong end of an exchange. Um, those are also both probably five round fights. Maybe in a three round fight might favor uh, Sarukian a little more. But, but if those were five-round fights, I'd definitely lean towards Poirier, lean towards Gaethje. So maybe I'm just going Chandler. Um, and and by the way, th- I would have said this before tonight. I would So tonight did not affect my opinion. It's not like, I'm oh, I'm pumping the brakes. It's among, I think, 
uh, our MMA fighting group, I'm I'm one of the slowest to kind of push someone forward to kind of say, oh, this person's going to beat whatever so-and-so, seven or eight guys in the top 10. So I was like that with Surkin before tonight, and I'm the same way now. I think he's competitive against a lot of these guys. I would, I personally would only favor him against Chandler. But um, again, I, I am a little bit slower to sort of anoint uh, fighters as like legitimate contenders. Chandler's a you, really interesting fight, man. Hmm. See, I favor him and- pretty hard in that. I think I favor Armand, but he, I am, I am so concerned about his striking. And because the, the thing is, it's not that it's bad. It is not that he looks like, I'm trying to think of who's like my go-to for a guy who's like clearly super uncomfortable. Like Rainier, uh, Rainier de Ritter. Like on the feet, he looks very unhappy to be doing things on the feet. Like he's very not into it. I think Aljo's a good call. I I think, yeah, well, sure, except for I, I actually do think Sarukin looks better on the feet than Aljo. Sure, I just – you know where I was he, going. Yeah, in the, in the – he does not look like that. He is not afraid to fight on the feet, but he – it is clear that he does not want to, that, that his attacks on the feet are not with intent to hurt you, harm you, or do anything. They are, they are perfunctory. This is a part of the game that I am expected and must compete in. I will throw some kicks. I will do this. But it is all engaged to set up the thing I want to do, which is get at your hips. And that's, and again, that's good and it works. And he has a game that fits together in pieces. And a lot of the things I like about it, I still think he's a top eight dude in the world. You, there has, you have to try to hurt people on the feet. like, Or you have to be so good so good and even habib frankly tried to hurt you on the feet and, and then he took you down and mauled you and if sarukin is not going to be i'm on your hips it's done when i'm on your hips we're going and now we're in my world and you ain't getting out of it then he is he has to offer more on the feet and maybe he will he is only 26 that's yeah but that's, until i until i see more intent on the feet like i think he beats chandler because i think he can chain wrestle chandler one of one of the very few compliments I will give Michael Chandler ever in life is that he does not fail at stopping people from wrestling. He is a thick brick of a human being. He is very tough to take down, and he chucks them hard, man. <laughs> whatever, whatever my issues with Michael Chandler, that dude throws to hurt you. And so at any point in time, if Sarukian's here trying to play point fighting kick so you can overextend and I can get on your hips, he might just eat an uppercut and go to the moon. Like I I need him to be show me more. And I really thought we'd get more in this fight, frankly. Like that was part of why I was excited coming in here. So like I'm gonna see him navigate around Ismagulov's jab, which is really good. I'm going to see him, but he's he's not going to get takedowns because that's what Ismogulov's really good at. So he's going to have to fight here. I'm going to see more. And instead, he was just like, I'm just going to stay on the hips and I'm, I am hoss strong and he can't get me off. Worked. It's a good win. It will age well in that regard, but it, it gave me questions. This is tough well, love. We, that, that, there, there's some yeah. strong. There's some strong. I'm. Uh, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Energy coming from. Jay. That's the vibe. I will that's say. Yeah, that's the vibe. He's not mad. He's not upset with Armin. He's a little. He's just a, a little disappointed. Yeah. I am a little disappointed in what we saw, and it's it's sure. mostly like I th- I thought this dude was the guy who would take the belt from Islam in like three years. I am less confident in that, especially because it's freaking lightweight, man. Like some kid tomorrow is going to show up and just be like, hey. 
I am the new hot shit out of random country and I'm the best guy in the world. <laughs> and it was like, oh, cool. It's 155. That can happen any day of the week. Like it just is what it is. I mean, we need to move on just because there is a lot left to get to on do this card. But I will say just to at the risk of being repetitive, I do want to maybe close this conversation about this fight by reiterating what I started said to start it, which is ultimately this is a kid who's 26 years old and he has been thrown into the shark tank far sooner and far deeper into that tank than most prospects do uh, at his age range and experience range. And he is swimming with those damn sharks and he is winning most of those fights. And I scored the Gamrod fight for him as well. And I have I still have supreme confidence that this is someone who's going to hold a piece of gold at some point in his career in his career and i'm really looking forward to the inevitable rematch between him and islam makachev because i feel like that is the that is the destiny of this man is to get to that point in this division and if i can ask for one thing in 2023 one christmas gift one holiday gift to get me going to the new year it is just please you see please 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 unlock this lightweight division so that we can start to see some of these young up-and-comers actually fight the top five guys rather than top five guys recycling against each other and these bottom guys recycling against each other and we're all just spinning our wheels because we don't actually that's the frustrating things we don't have actually have any answers at all right like all of this projection is just that it is projection i would like to see some actual fights between these people in the meantime Let's keep it moving because there was a lot that happened on this card. Again, it was a very entertaining card up to the main event. Uh, and so let's jump around a little bit now because I want to go to, I think, what was probably the fight of the night. We haven't seen bonuses yet, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that this was fight of the We've night. Seen it, We've seen them. We have seen bonuses, and it was, in we fact, have. fight of the night. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So there we go. Drew Dober, Bobby Green. Good Lord, gentlemen. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Drew Dober gets it done. Second round. 
kind of out of nowhere he was losing that fight until he wasn't and really kind of a late entry into fighter of the year putting in a late case for fighter of the year drew dober sneaky three and oh this year he's gonna end up on a couple of people's ballots i'm sure by the by the time we're doing these year-end awards again though this is one-way traffic until drew willed himself back in with that highlight real knockout he calls out jalen turner afterwards which i thought was a perfect call out right like you, he, again you call out justin gates you're not going to get it you call out jalen turner you might get it and jalen already answered and said he might be down on twitter so ultimately ak what were your takeaways from the craziness we just saw and ultimate again drew dober three and zero in 2022 who would have thought i love that fight so much man that is like that to me is uh i i often talk about the difference between oh a mixed martial arts contest and a fight and like that's how you win a fight all right if if these guys were just doing like hard sparring uh, in the gym and they were going like whatever 10 rounds hard sparring Bobby green probably wins like eight or nine of those rounds and he, he was tooling drew dober through the first like half of this fight like cl- the first round clear 10 nine it's one of those things where if you, i wish you know 10 nines weren't like all weighed equally like you know uh, the 10 nine he, he the 10 nine bobby green won in that first round you know is 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 different than any of the 10 nines that cannoneer or strickland won uh in the main event do you know what i mean like that it, it feels weird to call those a 10 nine that's how good uh green's first round was and we were saying in the slack like man this is like great matchup for bobby green um they were saying on the commentary on the broadcast like yeah this is speed versus power and it looked like speed was just dominating power but as the fight kept going on as it was dragging on and you, you were pretty certain that Bobby Green was not going to put Drew Dober away. Not that he wasn't landing power shots. It wasn't like pitter power stuff. He was landing hard, hard shots that um, against anyone that didn't have the god chin of Drew Dober, it would have put their lights out. I mean, Bobby Green against like the bottom, take take like any, picking any name out of the bottom, like 35 guys in the lightweight division. He put He's putting those dudes to sleep. Those are, he was landing hard punches, just not Drew Dober because Drew Dober is insane and uh, cannot be knocked out, I guess. Um, and you were and you really were seeing him just wade through because that was his only way. He wasn't going to out technique Bobby Green. He wasn't going to like time a beautiful counter. He wasn't going to like uh, uh, mix find a, a sweet combination by like mixing it up and getting Bobby Green off balance. That just wasn't going to happen the way this fight was playing out. He knew I just have to get hit. I have to get hit. I have to come forward. I have to walk him down. And I know if I land like a couple of good shots, I can turn things around. And people, I tell you, go back and watch that fight. You'll see Drew Dober. It, it's I don't want to say he didn't have a game plan because that was the plan. But it's not a that's not a functional plan for most human beings. But for him, it works. Goes in, gets hit, really busted up. I'm, uh, this, I, I joked about it on Twitter. I showed the significant strike numbers. Bobby Green doubled him up in both rounds. It didn't matter. Uh, Drew Dober landed the strikes that mattered in the end, and one of the most uh, a truly worthy fight of the night winner. Uh, I don't know if it's going to make anyone's fight of the year uh, lists, uh, you know, uh, coming in late because we had a lot of strong candidates this year. But that would have been a nice way to end uh, 2022 if that was the main event. So, you know, people just think uh, think of it as the main event in your mind, and then look and look towards 2023, and of course, uh, Bellator Ryzen before the end of the year as well. Jed, get in here. How much fun was that thing? was awesome man that fight looked so much like i thought it would until the end uh bobby green rules and he was tuning him up took took the man to school uh and then he did the thing that fighters continue to do despite the fact that this game is 30 plus years old and this should have been conclusively established by now he got backed up got backed up to the fence defense is really hard in general super hard against defense drew dober said 
I don't really care. You're going to hit me. I'm going to hit you a lot harder. And that was the end of it. And it's really that simple. Like Bobby Green is the better fighter, like by most general definitions of fighting. But Bobby Green can't take a super big punch from Drew Dober and Drew Dober can take 50 of them. And that's fighting is stupid. And it's really unfair in that regard. (laughs) Or like you can be skilled and talented and awesome. And the limitations of your physical body (laughs) aren't as good as somebody else's. And that's where it was like full credit to Drew Dober, by the way, he made some great adjustments mid round. Uh, He took the coaching from his corner He started doubling up the jab. He corralled a lot more effectively. He brought a ton more pressure. And Bobby Green did made a mistake. He made one. He made one mistake in the fight and it cost him. And that's a lot of some of that is that Bobby Green maybe got a little too comfortable, but a lot of it is simply that Drew Dober knew the advantages he had, played to him, did a smart thing, and made it work for him. So uh it was awesome. Great. Super happy for to win fight of the night. I think a little bit that Drew Dober deserved a performance bonus of the night. So he probably should have got doubled up in that regard, but great, great fight, great performance. Uh, and frankly, great call out. Honestly, the call out probably better loved than the I absolutely loved it. Thank you for call, addressing that. It's, uh, it's look, Drew Dober is like a top 20 ish guy. He's probably on the fringes of the UFC rankings. He might even move in with this Bobby Green win now, three KOs, three, three big wins in a row. Ain't nobody trying to fight Jalen Turner. You know, and Drew Dober shouldn't either because Drew Dober's big old melon head and his entire inability to stop punches in any regard means he is going to – they are just going to clang off that dome of his, just rapid fire. But that's a fight you can get. Armin Sarukian 10, 20 minutes ago was up here being like, I would like to fight Benil Darius and Charles Oliveira. Sweet. I would like a billion dollars delivered to my door. I think I have better chance than you do of getting those fights, Armin. Read the freaking room, my guy. Uh, whereas instead, Drew Dover's like, yeah, no one's fighting that guy. And he is ranked. He's number 10 or something. He's ranking. No one fights him. Hell yeah, I'll fight that dude. It'll be awesome. He's probably going to get that fight. He is probably going to get a concussion from that fight. But he's, he's going to have his day. He's going to have an opportunity. And if he does this, does the same thing here. Top 10 fighter, Drew Dober, top 10 guy. Like, that's how you do it. It's being self-aware, knowing who you are, knowing what your goals are, what you want to do. A-plus performance from Drew Dober, man. Again, big big dad vibes coming from Jed over here with Armand. That not, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed vibes. It's just – Are you – come on. You. you guys can't sit here and pretend that him calling for Charles Oliveira and Benil Darius is reasonable. Yep. A guy in that position – No, no. A guy in that position – Me sliding into the no, DMs no, 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 of freaking no, no, no. Scarlett Johansson is, on, isn't shooting You never know, Jed. Jed, you never know. Time. You, you, you never know. It's, it's all in context, and if you're Armand, you have to shoot that shot because if you're Armand and you say, hey, I want to fight Hatfield, Fazeev. Like, yeah, sure. You probably he might get, get that, that fight. fight. And maybe he, he can win that fight. that fight. And then he's no. top seven. That does nothing for him. He wants fights. It that moves him up in the him. rankings. He's stuck in, the, he's this stuck is, in this spin cycle. He's got to This go is what him. MMA has He's going to have to fight Grant we, Dawson now. We, which moves him back. Have to Jed, anyway. Jed, this is what MMA has done changed. to us. MMA has taught us to tell children not to dream. This is where we are now. We're telling children not to dream. That's what modern MMA has done to us. What and what a tragedy that is. So Armin, I'm not telling you not to dream. 26 year old, you, you dream your dream. You dream your I, dream. Dream your dream. But look, we all love Armin. Great fighter, top ten guy. Uh, no one cares about him broadly. 
He's not he's not a compelling figure outside of what he does all in right. the cage, which is getting right. less compelling. He's not. You're trying to tell me from pull off the metrics. Is he moving traffic okay. for us right now? He's not. You Look, can't man. call for a fight against the former champion and the number one contender if you ain't moving traffic or on a big win streak. And I know that you don't think you lost to Gamma, and I don't even necessarily think you do either. But the numbers say you do. You can't just wish this away. You have to do – you can fight Rafael Fazeev freaking three months from now, and that is a relevant, winnable, good fight, moving you up in the rankings and making a bulletproof case. But if you're not going to be more interesting, that's the only way you can move up. So pick one. Pick one. You either Leon Edwards this or you get compelling. Make a choice, man. That's Every fighter has to do that, and he needs to figure it out. I'm going to have to call this preview show the Jed Mishu Armand Sarukin Hater Hour at this point. Like there is no I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help him out. Y'all are here just wish casting. Ooh, maybe he'll I, all just fight Benil All I want to really? say, getting back to the actual topic that okay, we were talking please, about. Please, all yes, I want to say is that one of the Dober Green was one of those fights where, like, yeah, that was cool that that happened, and I'm glad we got it. But damn, I wish that was in an arena because if can you uh-huh. imagine how much fun that would have been in London or in Australia or wherever where people are able to enjoy it and it's just craziness all around? Like that would have just been even better. Um, last thing, and then we'll move on. Any chance at all that Drew Dober sneaks onto your top five for Fighter of the Year three and zero? Three very good performances. Three very fun performances. Any chance at all that he sneaks onto that top five for fighter of the year? Either of you guys? I don't. Jed, do you want to go? I'm, I'm pulling that up. I did a bad thing. So, Jed, I don't know if you want to. Oh, actually, actually, zero percent chance he's doing it on mine. Um, zero chance for you. What about you, Aiken? He's good, great, great year. Just one. He was lo- he was losing two of those fights quite mm. quite badly before he won, mm. and. Three wins. The top, the top four are locked, and the fifth spot is another guy with three wins who was not losing his fights even a little bit. <laughs> In fact, they collectively lasted like two minutes, so I can't swap him out. <laughs> AK? Full disclosure, I'm, right after that fight, uh, I did message – Sheen and I and oh I said uh, I would like to I would like to add Drew Dober to my list. I won't say who I bumped off. My apologies to this fighter who I did I did bump them off uh, for Drew Dober. Recency bias completely taking over my thinking. I was really just caught up in the moment, but I'm going to stand by it because the number one rule is that MMA is supposed to be fun, and I don't know if anyone had three more three wins that were more fun than Drew Dober because yeah, the Terrence McKinney fight complete insanity. Ridiculous. Uh, the, the half Alvis fight, super fun all the way through for both men. Half Alvis is a complete wild man. Also, uh, that I, KO, the KO in that fight was stupid. Yeah. And I, again, dumb. And then also him winning tonight, dumb. So when you have three of the dumbest finishes of the year, then you got to make the list. That's just that's that's a new rule I'm putting forward. If you have three or more of the dumbest knockouts or even any, it could be submissions. Three more of the dumbest finishes of the year. You have to make the top five list of my fighter of the year. So again, uh, he sneaks in there. It's just, it's just too fun. Even if I, even though I know he's not going to make the write-up portion, I don't think he's going to make our consensus top five. We always show the results, and I, I need Drew Dober to be in our little chart there. I need I need people to know that Drew Dober was was on the short list at least. He's 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 an honorable, a very very strong, and a very very fun honorable mention. Uh, what about you? What that. about you, Shaheen? Are you are you doing it? 
Is he going to sneak into no. you? So for me, he can't. I really want to, but the, it is. There's so many good, so many good ones, compelling, good argue like people that you could have a good argument for for putting on that list. Like it is, it, it is sneaky deep on a lot of these categories that because we've been doing the year end stuff this year. I did not realize it until I filled out my ballot how stupidly deep some of these are to the point where I like I felt legitimately bad about some of the names and, and performances that I was leaving off of some of these. I categories. felt good about rookie this year, which was wild. I did not feel good about rookie last year. So yeah, yeah. Um, Casey, get in here. We'll just sort of bounce around at this point. I mean, there are other standout performances from the night. Gorgeous knockout by Alex Caceres. I mean, that was ridiculous. That man is on UFC fight number 27, and he's still putting up highlights. Like, that was misses oh, with the sick. punch, follows with the head kick. We were talking about it on our Slack, that that was reminiscent to me of Condit GSP, uh, just that head kick sequence. Beautiful the, stuff from him. The balance, the delay on the kick. Bat- oh, no, who's, who did he knock out? Who, who did he knock out? Uh, Arosa, Julian Arosa. Arosa. Another one, Amir Albazi, I think someone who a lot of us have pegged as a flyweight who is going to be in this title conversation sooner rather than later if he can get the fights to get there. Uh, really, really impressive knockout from him. Also, farther down on the card, uh, you had Matthew Smel- Semmelsberger. I never can smell this Semi the Jedi. Semi the Jedi. I think pulling an upset over, uh, for a lot of us at least, a over Jake Matthews. I and maybe you too, Jed, were a little bit too excited about Jake Matthews. Uh, got a little ahead of ourselves on that one. But three knockdowns, one in each round, three takedowns each round. That was an impressive performance. Also, have to mention Mihail Olin Jacek. New Dortmund course out here at 185. He's 2-0 in the division. First round finishes in both. Good performances uh, all around. Casey, on, would you like? Typology, you um, Matthews, <clears throat> excuse me, 93% of people, he was the biggest favorite coming into the card on Tapology. was Jake Matthews. He was one of the bigger yeah. betting favorites on the card. Yeah. And uh, Caceres was one of the uh, only 22% of people thought Caceres was going to win that fight too. So big upsets tonight. Who'd you like, Casey? Corey, McKen- you Corey McKenna was an upset as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, what was the question, sorry? Who's your standout for you? Oh, Man- Man- Manel Cop. <laughs> oh, there we go. My, my boy, my, my man. I know we didn't finish the fight strong. Nonsense. I know we didn't finish the fight strong, but I had, I had two 10-8 rounds. That, that first round, the fact that— Those he, are correct scores. Thank you. Those thank are, you. Yeah. No, one, no one had the first, first two rounds for 10-8. I think even someone had it—I think one of the judges still even had it at 30-27. <clears throat> But uh, yeah, actually, uh, actually, so we're clear. Two judges had a thirty twenty seven. <sighs> one had it twenty nine twenty eight. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you're you're thinking of the the Brian Battle fight where yeah, yeah. Oh, no, okay. no judges it's awarded ten twenty seven because judges just refused to give ten. Yeah. And um, I, I know I know um, people were kind of you know hating on cop a little bit in third round for not being able to finish that fight and showboating. But me. give go, yeah, it was mostly you. But give credit <laughs> to Dvorak. Never been finished. Um, and uh, he got a beating, and uh, Manel Cape is awesome. Manel Cop is awesome, and I can't wait to see what I can't wait to see him move up the ladder. I I really really thought he was gonna rip that man's arm oh. off his body, like Frank Mir Big Nog style with that late submission, and that and I think it was the first round. That was brutal brutal stuff. David Dvorak surviving that was a uh, incredible, frankly. Uh, what are the peeps saying? Let's go to the peeps. peeps. All right, the final go to yeah. the peeps of the year. What a year it's been. Uh, did you? Uh, let me see. I mean, uh, we could always spin up a show for tomorrow's fight circuit. It's the biggest <laughs> event of the month. 
I'm trying to what what uh, haven't we talked about? Uh, a lot of these questions I pulled, we kind of already went over. Sorry, we talked about most of the important stuff because yeah, um, while that's Shaheen what we do. Has said while Shaheen has said that this was a good event, it was actually not. <laughs> The main card was good. The undercard was a tough hang for a lot of it. Wait, this comment right here is in reference to the main event. Hold on a second. There's one one finish (laughs) in the prelims. It was cool. It was a cool finish. Yeah, but then we got four straight in the main card. I can't. This this was the main main card. The main card was solid. Uh, Andy Andy B coming in with a fight happened. That's about it. That's how you can describe that main event. I feel like by that's the technical I'm... definition of a fight, it sure <laughs> did. Uh, do do do. Uh, yeah, a lot of lot of hate on the. Well, I don't know. Some people are saying we're we're hating on the main event a little too much, but it was I don't fine. See how that, I, I don't see how that's possible. Yeah. No. So here's the thing. That fight is not bad. It's like a reasonable fight. I probably won't ever watch again. It's reasonable. It was entertaining enough. The issue is less of us hating on the fight in totality. It is that neither man established that they were better than the other. So it's tough to care. It's tough to take. And also the low, stakes, the low stakes of the entire yeah. affair. Just sort yeah. of there are low the stakes and neither man was like, I am much better. Clearly I should win whatever the stakes of this are. So it's just like it leaves I, you with an empty feeling. In a weird way, the main event was extremely unique because you could Super put unique. like a seven-year-old child who's never watched MMA and they could have scored that fight also. And you've been like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Like, there, there was no literally wrong no – outside of 10-8s, a 10-9 either way for every round, like every possible scorecard for 10-9s was good to go for that fight. And that's that's pretty unique. Like Doug, like Doug Crosby couldn't have messed that up. Well, he would have found a way. No, no, he would have found a way. He would have thrown a ten eight in there for no reason. He would have thrown a ten eight in there, and we'd have been honestly. Like, I would okay. respect yeah. the hell out of throwing a ten eight in that fight. Ten ten. Let's 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 rattle off one or two more, and then we will get out of here. Uh, People, okay. get your um, questions in now. Ask us oh, anything. You know what? We didn't even mention anyway. this gentleman, this other eighty fiver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is coming from Brandon. He says thoughts on how far Mikhail can Mikhail can climb at 185. I think he's solid top 15 right now. As I said, he might be a dark horse in this division, fellas. Like this is a guy who fought at 205 for a long time, finally make the move down. It always kind of looks like he would be able to make the move down. And we've just seen two first round finishes from this man. What do you, what do you think? What are his see? What's his ceiling here? What's his prospects in this division? He's he's a top ten guy, man. He's a top ten guy at one eighty five. Not right now, but he could be. Um, Sam Alvey, Cody Brundage, I get it. Not like the stiffest competition, but um, this guy was like an a, a entertaining fighter and a knockout threat at two hundred five. And slimmed down. One, he looks like a different guy. He looks even. He looks like way faster than he was at two hundred five. Uh, and he seems to have retained that that punch, that finishing power, the punching power. So I'm very, very high on uh, Olesechuk. He's only 27. He doesn't turn 28 really? until he's February. Only 27. Wow. He's only 27. Yeah, I know. He looks, he looks, he looks older. And and it's not like that much mileage. He's he's under 20. This was his 24th pro fight. So he has experience, but it's not like he's super shop worn. Um, he's right at that point where I think he's going to start peaking. And I think he definitely cracks the top 10 in 2023. Um, how much higher? I don't know. I probably need to see him a little more at 185. But a, a lot of the ingredients are there for him to be a top 10 guy. And uh, and at some point in 2023, probably fight a top five opponent, if not become a, a top five guy himself. I've always wondered who's going to be that next um, Jan Blachowicz in the sense that mm-hmm. he was just like a mid-tier 
you know, he's good, but you didn't, you never expect him to like win the title. I don't know if um, Ole, I can see it. I gotta say, how do you say his Ole last say, name? Oleg say Ole 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 Ole, I can't say it. <laughs> no, I'm like, thinking Ole, about it. They just short it to Oleg. 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 There's gonna be one guy that's, that's just gonna shock us and goes, "Well, I didn't see that coming." Maybe it's him. I don't know, but man, at 85, he is just. I was talking to Jed before we 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 started rolling, but like. There's something in his bones. Like, that man is just dense. He knocked mm-hmm. out. He knocked out that fighter from guard, which is extremely hard to do. He knocked him out. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for his next fight. I don't know. I don't think the fans are behind him. I think the, I don't think the UFC is necessarily behind him. But they weren't behind Jan Blachowicz either, and he just kept winning. And all of a sudden, you just do a good interview. It turns out, oh, you're the nicest guy ever. We love you. And then you just all of a sudden become a, a star. So who knows? Jan Blachowicz is a fun comp. It's not the right one. Uh, the right comp is very obvious because he fought in the main event. This is just Jared. He's Jared Cannonier. Oh. He's the same guy. He may That's not true. be like in, entirely stylistically, but like he's going to have the almost identical career where it's like he's going to be a top 10 guy. Maybe if some cards break right, he'll challenge for a title. He has some deficiencies, which will probably manifest when he fights like the very, very elite, but fun guy he's going to be around i mean honestly they're very like cannoneer was young at the time he finally dropped to light heavyweight and then middleweight it's he's gonna have a very similar career to jared cannoneer i'm pretty sure okay yeah i like that that's actually a good i comment. get it i get it you lost me for a second there and i'm like all right i see what because I, I am essentially <laughs> i was essentially saying the same thing he, he could fight a tough no, yeah. guy S- saying yeah. exactly the same thing yeah it's yeah, just, yeah yeah and you just be like, yeah, he's going to be the he's the next jared cannoneer jared cannoneer getting a little older it's going to cycle out Mikhail's going to be the guy with some good breaks. He'll fight for a title. Not he'll just be a guy who flirts top five, stays firmly in the top 10 or 12 for the next five years, probably. Cool. And, Super um, fun. Yeah. The guy's awesome to watch. Casey, we get the chance. Can you grab this pro fights info question that just popped? I, I know you have something queued up, but maybe after this next question. All right, we'll do these last two and then we'll yeah, get out of here. Um, Oh, uh, this one's coming from Medi, who says, hmm. where does Sean Strickland go from here? And that's a that's a fair question. I think this is someone who there's still for for, you know, all of his, the man's faults and, and his fights tend to not deliver. It feels like um, there still is quite a lot of interest around him and he is a name in this division. And it feels like the fans generally enjoy him. And he uh, could have won this fight. He could have won this fight too. He could have very easily won this fight. Been, okay, yeah. He could have very easily won this fight, and also just the UFC sees his stuff. Like all of his media day interviews, always will will grab a lot of views. So I, ultimately, he'll still be around, and I'm sure he'll get a, a fight. You know, in this what number ten range, number seven range, number number twelve range, something like that. I could see him still being able to to do this for a couple more times. They're gonna fucking give him Darren Till. I was just about to ask, oh. should, he, should he fight Darren Till in London? Darren Till. And Darren Till is going to win that stupid-ass fight. You think so? You think I, if, I'm, if I'm the UFC, I'm giving Darren Till no one that good right now. Like, no one like, nearly that good right now. No like, one you need to give him yeah. a good fight. Have you not been paying attention to the last 12? Darren Till fails upwards. He is going to – if he doesn't get freaking Israel Adesanya next, they're going to give him this one. And he's going he's gonna to win because – I'm not allowed to have peace in this sport. And Darren Till will plague me forever despite not being good. It's going to happen. I'm calling it now, and I hate it. 
Uh, by the way, 53%. I just closed the poll because there was a really big sample size already. Uh, 53%. Sean Strickland won the main event. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that's how that's going to affect how the UFC views his matchmaking. If, if anyone backstage feels the same way that they thought he won the fight. Sure. The poll results to the UFC, I'm sure that will help them in their decision. <laughs> yes, yes. Man, if he uh, ever learned how to like last, fight last hard, one here. he might be hard. He might be. A good oh, that's one. Oh, that, I was I was yeah. gonna go out on Strickland, but give me, uh, I thought one I thought AK had one that I he thought AK had one. Yeah, that someone was at, just asking what's next. Pro fights info was asking who's next for Amir Albazi. I, 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 I thought that's for tomorrow. I thought that's for onto the next. It normally would be, but I, I I'll, I'll repeat the rant tomorrow. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, they, there you go. Thank, there it is. Because uh, we got a special thing going here with. Look, Casey, I'm not as high a Manel cop as you. I haven't been since he came over from Rise. I didn't buy into the Rise oh, hype. I know uh, it's so about to happen. High. I'm here but for But I am loving, I am loving him being the alliterative assassin. All right, taking out uh, Ode Osborne, Zaga Sumagulov, and now David Dvorak. It feels like he has to fight Amir Abazi next. It almost just makes too much sense. This is just great. I saw someone say they trained together. I think they may have worked together at Extreme Couture a little bit. I don't know if they're like dedicated training partners. If I'm wrong on that, then uh, it's a moot point. I'm pretty sure they're not like super dedicated training partners. But again, I, I may be wrong. I'll revisit this on. Um, I'd be surprised the if they weren't, just because they. I think didn't they both work there for this card? It'd be really for this card, maybe. Yeah, for this card, maybe. But I know they don't like. I, I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah. Maybe uh, not. Abazi, like like their their home bases are yeah are somewhere else, yeah. right? So. I, I don't think it's out of the question that they would fight each other. Um, but listen, UFC, make the money right because you got a gimmick here. You got the alliterative assassin, Manel Cop. He takes out people whose names and whose first and last names start with the same letter. That is ratings. That is a that is pay per view dollars. Oh my goodness! Do you, know what can Do you know what can happen afterwards, AK? What? Uh-huh. Muhammad Mukayev makes the oh, jump. Yes. Oh, perfect! It's perfect. Oh. Do the thing. This is why Jed Mishu will be the guest host on On to the Next One uh, this uh, this weekend. So uh, people stay tuned for that. He will be joining me. Uh, our, our My best friend, Mike Heck, is uh, taking a well-deserved break. So uh, look forward to On to the Next One uh, coming out uh, sometime Sunday on the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. Jed Mishu will be joining me. And we will repeat this. For anyone who's missed it, we'll, we'll gladly repeat this whole, this whole bit. I have to say, of all the gimmicks that we've come across and sort of created of our own volition over the years, this AK might be A, the nerdiest. Uh, and <laughs> sure, also B, definitely that. Oh, hat B, tip, hold on. One I'm of my of favorites. No, one I did not. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not. Hat tip E. Spencer Kite, uh, who, who first brought this uh, pattern to my attention. Uh, UFC E. Spencer Kite. And, uh, and a lot of people in the replies coming up with different nicknames. And a couple of people landed on a alliterative assassin. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for who I did not come up with any of this, but we are the ones who are pushing this forward. We are definitely help, going to help broadcast this, uh, this message because this is, this is amazing stuff. I'm very here for it. I'm very excited about all of this. This is, this is some great developments here. We've really done some great work here, gentlemen, today. Uh, what a year. What a, what a year. What a year. Well, I, hear, I, well see, I see Michael Harris in the comments saying the quote for 2022 is just do the thing. Mm. And he's he's pretty right. It is. Just, just do a lot thing. of a lot of fight orgs could take that advice. Be a lot better if they did. Oh boy. What a year it's been, fellas. Uh, we appreciate, as always, you guys for joining us along for this ride and really making it all worth it. We do this for you guys and we very much appreciate you. Uh, We couldn't do this without you. And so from the bottom of our hearts, we love you. 
Thank you for a wonderful 2022. Keep it locked to MMA fighting. We have lots of year-end goodness coming over the next couple of weeks. We're going to have the year-end awards show as well. MMA Hour is going to have the awards show as well. Could start to start off 2023. It's going to be a good time. So join your boys. Join your friends over here at MMA fighting. Uh, and let's party a little bit. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We love you guys again. And we'll see you soon. Love you guys. Happy birthday, AK. Thank God. I was waiting for someone to say it. Thank you. (laughs) You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.